0: have a seat you know this morning you know you can see this this banner here that's to my right and it says legacy on it and it has a passage from second Corinthians 824 and it says show them the proof of your love and the reason for our bragging you know about you and um, as I've shared with you and you know it's kind of what gave birth to this uh, this particular weekend was uh, you know Cheryl in our women's ministry since about 2005 has been hosting a purity event for the women of our church, the young women of our church. Um, some of you know, some of you don't know that you know, it was, in, it was uh, almost this time, You know, gosh, in 2004, it was August the 20th that uh, their youngest daughter, Danielle, who was part of our uh, youth ministry at the time, uh, was killed in a uh, car accident. She was leaving uh, our house, uh, my wife and I, and um, our family's house on a Friday night and uh, was headed for home and didn't quite make it. Uh, she, she went from this life into eternity. And she was my daughter's best friend. That's one of the things that you know I thought about even in, in doing something like this. Um, and so it just worked out this year where uh, Cheryl, uh, for a variety of reasons, had determined not to do the purity event. And the purity event was something that was actually birthed in, in Danielle's heart. Uh, Danielle had uh, found a book that was called The Bride Wore White. And uh, obviously being 17 and being a girl, um, she was looking forward to one day being married. And so she wanted to go through this book with her mom and with some of uh, their friends. And uh, that never came about. Didn't have the opportunity for that to take place. And so uh, Cheryl, in honor of her daughter, decided that she would continue forth with that and use the book and and went for a number of years. And so when this year came up and she said that... uh, you know, it just with all the things in life that were going on, she just didn't have it in her to, to do it. And it was one of those things we've talked about all through the years. It's not ever something that she had to do. It was just something that uh, she wanted to do. And as the Lord would continue to place it upon her heart, she would do it. Well, this year, when it didn't, I'd already been praying about wanting to do friend day in in memory of her. Um, and because if you had the opportunity, and you will have the opportunity, one of the neat things about you know, the fact that, you know, as Larry mentioned, if the Lord doesn't return, you know, we're all going to meet Jesus face to face through death and we don't need to fear death. You know, Jesus told us, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he said, he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he said, he who believes in me will never die. And Paul would write, you know, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And so, you know, we just passed from this life and we go right into heaven when we've opened our heart to Jesus and received him as, as savior and Lord. And, you know, It was one of those situations where, you know, thinking about friendships and and the differences that you know we can make in in one another's life, and I thought about you know Danielle, and she was one of those those kids that, um, I mean, she was living life to the fullest. She was seventeen, and she had discovered uh, her mission, her purpose in this life, and uh, her she understood that her life was to magnify and to glorify God. She was a a great friend uh, to so many. during the, the course of that summer. And what kind of led to today was uh, our youth at the time, they'd had uh, a, it was a prayer cloth uh, that they de- determined to use. They took a piece of cloth and tore it and kind of made it jagged, kind of probably give it that kind of, you know, look that you might've seen back in the day of Jesus, like parchment paper or something, and uh, place this within their Bibles. And they would write the names down of people that they knew that they cared about that didn't know the Lord. And they'd begin to pray for them. and. For opportunity to love them and serve them and to share Jesus' life with them. And uh, Danielle had about, I I think it was about 22 names that were actually on that prayer cloth. And uh, when uh, Tink uh, retrieved the Bible from her car um, after her accident, Inside there was the prayer cloth, and there was, like I said, a, a number of names were actually marked off. There was about 11, so almost half uh, over the course of that summer. She had had the opportunity to to pray for and, and to pray with and to pray about, and yet there were still so many names uh, that were yet to be marked off. And so it became something in the life of our church, you know, that we have done before. And so I thought this summer, you know, we would uh, do that again uh, throughout the summer, that we would just, you know, and make this something that we'll probably annually do. Um, is take the summer and really focus on prayer we have so many people that are in and out of church because of uh, vacations and things like that, but to just be mindful because we 're going to be seeing a lot of those people we 're going to be vacationing with them, and so we're gonna have opportunity and just that the Lord would make us uh, you know diligent to make sure that we share his life and his love you know with people and so we asked you know our church to begin to do that and so this uh, banner, you know, we created and we took names of people and there's some, maybe some of your names uh, that are here today that you were invited and your name might be on that. And our, our greatest joy, it's not that it's about marking somebody's name off in that respect. Uh, it's not blotting your name out. It's blotting your name in, so to speak. It's to know that, uh, that you have people that love you, that, that are praying for you and want nothing more than for you to come to know the love of Jesus Christ as personal Savior and the Lord of your life. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I loved about Danielle was her ability to uh, just she never knew a stranger. She was just one of those kids and adults. She's a lot like uh, Tink, her her dad, that can just walk into a place and and just befriend people and make you feel at home, make you feel welcome. And uh, she could do that with young people and old people alike. And you know, so it's always one of those fun things to sit back and watch people like that because there's, they have a, an ability to walk into a room and to, you could just see the way that they begin to start moving around and uh, impacting people. And with purpose, you know, not just to say, hey, I wanna talk about you know whatever your hobby or interest is, might start there, but that it always turns around to a conversation about God and about the things that matter most. And it was interesting that particular passage of scripture, Second Corinthians eight twenty-four. She had that written on her wrist. When the fire captain, uh, who's the first responders, were on the scene, went to the car, um, he thought that she she was actually just sitting in the car waiting for someone to get her out of the car. And he, he said the fire captain walked over and tried to open the door, and it was, it was stuck, but the, the glass was broke. He was able to uh, take her hand and to check her pulse, and then he realized that she, she wasn't here, that she was at home with the Lord. But he said he noticed on her hand she had written this verse of scripture, therefore show them the proof of your love and the reason for our bragging about you, you know, from second Corinthians 8:24. So he wrote it down and he just kind of put it away and went back to the, the fire station. And when he read it later on, he said, it was just this kind of life transformation, you know, that took place for him is that he, he realized God was using that verse to, to speak to him. And, uh, I remember it wasn't too long after that. I was back in Bay St. Louis and I was sitting with a bunch of pastors from Calvary Chapel there to uh, set up a, a base camp uh, after Hurricane Katrina where churches would go in and, and work together to try to rebuild this little community. And I was sitting there amongst the pastors and um, we were getting to know one another because many of us came from around the country and didn't know each other. And I was sitting next to uh, Pastor Jimmy Orante, And uh, Jimmy, uh, I had my wallet out and I had a picture of Danielle in my wallet. And he goes, oh, is that is that your daughter? And I said, no, I go, but she was like a daughter to me. I go, my wife and I, you know, we wanted, uh, I wanted four kids. My wife wanted two. And I go, God gave us three. And I go, so she's kind of like my fourth. I go, she's my daughter's best friend. So, you know, he was kind of laughing and stuff. And and uh, and he started asking me questions. And so I started telling him about Danielle. And and then all of a sudden he realizes, oh, she's not with us. She's, she's at home with the Lord. And uh, so I'm telling him all about her and everything. And I look over at him and he's crying tears are just coming down his face and he looks at me and it was one of these things and, and I I knew as soon as he said it I said I, I gotta call Cheryl and tell her this he looks at me and he goes uh, hey bro and I said yeah and he goes I can't wait to meet her like that and I was like and it just took me back and I was like that's right she's alive she's alive and uh, the impact, you know, that she makes and has made. And people, you know, through the years, it's really interesting. You know, um, all, if I want somebody to criticize me, all I have to do is stand right here. I almost don't even have to say anything anymore. I mean, you know, people don't like, the, you know, the way we do anything in the church. We don't like, you know, what we spend the money on. We don't like, you know, how we organize. And it doesn't make any difference. If people are going to complain. If we did it perfectly, they'd still complain. You know, if we didn't do this, they'd still complain. It's just it, people people have, we're sinners, you know, God gave us one another to, to love, and, and uh, you can know how good you are in forgiveness by, uh, um, you know, how much you think about other people's sin more than you think about your own, I guess you could kind of put it that way, but, uh, you know, Danielle was, was so special in that regard, uh, she was gracious, uh, she was, you know, she got in trouble a lot, Okay, she wasn't an angel, you know, but I'd have people that go, you know, so why do you, why do you talk about her? You know, it's like, let it go. And I'm like, why should I let it go? God hasn't let it go. And, and it was one of the most amazing things. It was in, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. And, and it's one of these things, and it's why having a, a day like, like today, like Friend Sunday, is so important. In the book of Daniel, kind of interesting, you know, that her name is Danielle, and there's a book, Daniel chapter 12, verse three, and it says, you know, that those, those who, and you can see the verse that says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. And I thought, you know, when I first time I read that after she went home to be with the Lord, I go, you know, that's it. I go, the reason, you know, I can talk about her is one, she's alive. She's not dead. She's just not here. She's with the Lord. But secondly, you know, she's a model. It's just like if Paul was talking about Timothy or, you know, Aphrodite or anybody that he might mention, you know, in Scripture, Barnabas, somebody you go, those are real people. And, and the apostles talked about people. Jesus talked about people. And you go, why? And you go, because it's about people. And uh, she made a difference. She was somebody whose life that you could, you could emulate, somebody that you could know, that you could understand. She was a kid, 17 years old. But she had figured out something that, you know, I mean, many of us as adults haven't figured out that what what should matter most in this life is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether that offends people or doesn't offend them isn't the issue. It's that she understood that, you know what, when all is said and done, you know, the only thing that's really going to matter is what did we do with Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and the Lord of our life? And we worry you know, so much about friends. And I wanted to talk a little bit about friendship you know, before I let you go today. Because again, if you're, if you're here today, whether you, you, you might already be a believer and you were just invited, even if you go to this church and you said, your friend came to you and just said, hey, I just want you to sit by me because you're my friend. Even if you had just said that, there's something in that that you go, you're, you're reminding that person of their value and, and their worth to you. And, and that's so, so important because we can get so busy We can get so caught up in ourselves. I mean, all you have to do is listen to a conversation. You know, Jesus is so others-centered. You know, Danielle was very much others-centered in her life. And it didn't mean that, you know, she didn't have wants or didn't have needs. But like I said, she had figured out at a very young age the thing that mattered most in this life. And it's what made her attractive to both believers and to non-believers, is that she genuinely cared. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to serve people. That's interesting, you know, when you think about, you know, friendship, and I wanted to share this with you. It was kind of interesting. Um, it was a, a little survey that was done in January of 2009, Burger King, they had this ad campaign. It was kind of interesting. And they said, uh, they were playing off Facebook, and they said, if you would unfriend 10 of your Facebook friends, they would give you a coupon for a free Whopper. Okay, but you have to unfriend 10 of your friends. So the way it was supposed to work when you unfriended your your friend, Burger King would send your friend a coupon or a note saying that, hey, you got unfriended for a hamburger. You know, and, and what they hoped would happen is that you'd go, wow, that must be a good hamburger, you know, that you, you're willing to unfriend me for a hamburger, you know? I want to do what? And it was an ad campaign, they'd go, you're going to want to learn about this hamburger. And it, it worked really well. The New York Times reported that in one week, 233,906 friendships were terminated on Facebook. And so Burger King was obligated to give out 23,000 Whoppers. So they discontinued the ad. <laughs> you know, but you go, how, how valuable is friendship to you? And, you know, it, and I hope it's valuable. And, and, and today, like I said, even if, even if you didn't invite anybody and you just came to church today, there's no guilt. There's no condemnation in that. What a friend we have in Jesus. You're here today because of, of the love of Jesus Christ. Jeannie wants you to clap. So if you want to give the Lord a clap offering, you can. Amen. Amen. Because um, I, I want you to think about that, you know, because in our in our world, I think we'd all agree that the word friendship is pretty skewed, right? It's just loose now because of what really the damage Facebook has actually done to it. You know, how many? You no, know, I don't want to ask you this, How many of you ever been unfriended? You know, you go, what did I do? You go, you know, I get unfriended all the time. I, you know, it's one of those things. You go, what happened? What did I say this week? Okay, it's like, okay, there's five more, five more, five more. You go, okay, it's like, uh, it's just how it is. You know, I looked at my wife unfriend me. Okay, good. You know, <laughs> as long as, as, long as she doesn't, I really don't care. You know, I mean. The rest of you guys can go to, um, well, you can go get uh, uh, lunch after, after church there, yeah. No, but I want you to understand something this morning, you know, that uh, when you think about as you're studying God's Word, maybe you never have, but I want to tell you a, a few things about God's Word this morning, and in, friendship is really important to God. I mean, it's more important than what you think, and and maybe you know you've heard everything, you've read the Bible, you know, a bunch of times through, but you've never really focused so much on just this thought or concept of friendship. There's a couple things I want to remind you of today. One that you were made for friendship, and you might go, "Oh, yeah, I get that," but I, I want to elaborate on that in a in a second here. You know, the Bible teaches us through instruction that really, when you think about friendship. It's virtually impossible to experience true joy and happiness in this life without friends. Because the Bible says that, you know, we're not an island in and of ourselves. See, we're not immutable like God. See, God is self-contained. He doesn't need anything or anyone. But we do. And he created us that way. And, and he and he meets the needs. It's one of the great blessings of why we have a church. And it's one of the things that the church is suffering from today because of isolation, because of social media and the ability of the Internet to be able to disconnect. What's happening is Satan succeeding, the devil, the person who hates your soul succeeding in a lot of ways. And we're seeing it because, you know, in matter of fact, we just I saw this yesterday. Um, there's going to be a national suicide hotline that's going to become a three digit number, just like 411 and 911. It's, it's, that, it's that paramount of a problem in our country. Suicide, loneliness, things that, that God wants to meet through the life of the church. But when the church becomes like the world, and you know it just like I know it, you know, your social media profile and those things, it, it's not a true indicator. On social media, we present our, our, the best version of ourselves. And all you have to do is if you are over the age of 25, I can prove it to you. Because if you take a selfie of yourself, I have yet to find somebody that's over 25 take a selfie like this. It's always from this angle up here. I don't know why, but, you know, but no, I do know why. And you go, because we want to present ourselves in the best light possible, right? But you think about, you know, friendship, deep friendships. the Bible doesn't even say that you should have a lot of friends. Actually, the Bible says you should have a few. And I want to share that with you, so it's, maybe take some of the pressure off you. They think, "Hey, the more friends you have, no, you might have a lot of in this sense of your those friendships, but you're only going to have so much depth. We can only have so much really depth in life with only a few people. We wish that it was more, but it really isn't possible. But knowing first you were made for friendships, and then secondly that friendships make us who we are, and how important, you know, again. Uh, again, it makes us or it breaks us, you might say, you know, the single greatest factor in your life apart from God are your friendships, the relationships that you have with others. You get your friendships right, and pretty much life's going to go pretty well for you. You get your friendships wrong, and uh, man, you know, what is that? Bad company corrupts good morals. First Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Think about this, you know, with me this morning. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. We were all made for friendship. If you have your Bible handy, turn with me, if you would, really quick, to John chapter 15. It's a it's a chapter that deals with the concept of friendship more than anything else here. When it's talking about love, it's actually talking about friendship type love, a phileo type love. John 15:9 it says, "As the Father loved me, I also have loved you." You are my friend. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you what? Friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Three times he uses the word friend here. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And that's the the greatest beauty of friendship is that it's you choosing. It's not being chosen in that respect you know there's that old expression you know i went to church you know looking for friends and i i found none i went to church to be a friend and i made many you know our our concept of friendship sometimes is where the issue the problem is it says this and it goes on it says that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. So is there anybody that questions the fact that God says that we are to love one another? And the Bible says we're even called to love our enemies, right? Wow, that's hard, you know, to love our enemies. But here's an interesting thing. Friendship in God's economy is actually higher than love. He wants you to think about that. Because we're called to love everybody, but we're not called to have everybody as our friend. You get to choose your friends, and your friends get to choose you. So why is friendship so important? Look there at verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. So think about this for a second. Throughout all eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have existed as friends. Friendship wasn't something God created. It's his nature. It's who he is. And so I want to speak to this because I want you to think about even the concept of loneliness this morning. Maybe it'll help make sense because I have yet to meet someone who doesn't deal with loneliness even Christians and we hang our heads because we think that there's something wrong with me I'm lonely you know you could be here today in a room with a couple few hundred people and be lonely that doesn't mean that you have a problem it means you're aware and and I want to speak to that today because we can help each other in that you know I I love reminding you know you as a church all the time people they'll appreciate your successes but they're only going to relate to you in your weaknesses they're only gonna to relate to you in your struggles because that's what we identify with. I mean, if you're really good at something, I might appreciate that about you, but I don't necessarily relate to it, but man, give me a struggle, give me a failure, give me a sin, I can relate to that. You know? That's why friendship is so important. You know, when you think about the doctrine of the Trinity, the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's hard to understand when you think about it, but it's how you and I are wired. From all eternity, God has existed as Father, Son, and Spirit, bound in a friendship relationship. So again, it's not something that God created. It's part of who he is. There's never been a time, like I said, in all of eternity that there wasn't a friendship. You and I were created in God's image. There's where the issue is. Created in the very image of God. That's why God, when he created Adam, he said it's not good for man to be alone, right? You think about that. Isn't that kind of strange when you think about that? I mean, this is perfection, right? When Adam was created, sin hadn't occurred yet, right? Eve wasn't even created yet. Everything was perfect. Not because she wasn't created yet. That's not what I meant by that. but, But that he was created in perfection, okay? And yet God said it's not good for man to be alone because the very nature of God is what? Is friendship. God wasn't alone. He's never been alone. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have have existed eternally together in this friendship relationship, this love relationship. So why was Adam lonely? Was Adam lonely because he was sinful? No. Was Adam lonely because he was imperfect? No, he was perfect. And you go, so what was the issue? Well, it stemmed from the problem that, again, there was no one like him. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit are what? They're all God. Not three separate gods, they're one. And here's Adam, created in the very image of God. And yet there's no one comparable to him. In his perfection, he was lonely. And so what did God do? He caused a deep sleep to fall over him, and he took from a rib and fashioned it into his wife and presented Eve to Adam. He said, now this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We we see the beauty of the inception of of friendship in a a human term, in a human sense. And so we look there in John 15, and he gives us a glimpse, you might say, into what God-like friendships are like. You know, I love this, this statement. You know, a true friend is someone who always lets you in and won't let you down. That doesn't mean they don't disappoint you, but in the ultimate sense, they're, they're not going to let you down. You know, you'll find it in life. Why? Well, you're going to see it because this is what's going to happen in life. Hard things happen in life. Bad things happen in life. Sin happens in life. And guess what? People will walk away from you. But your best friend might just be One. Your best friend will be coming towards you, and that best friend might be only Jesus Himself. I can tell you, but with Jesus, that's more than enough. But my hope and my prayer is that He's blessed you with at least one person this side of heaven, who, when everything falls apart and everybody else is walking away, there's one who's coming towards you. And maybe you know you have a friend. Let's near you or by you today and you should be able to appreciate him and tell him that and say thank you thank you that you are that one you know like I said a true friend lets you in interested in this word you know the Hebrew word for friendship is the same word it's for secret when you think about this excuse me someone uh, you can let into the secret places of your heart if you think about that secret places of your heart, place that you don't let everybody else into. Why? Because, well, for one, there's not enough room in there, you know, and the Bible also says that it's not safe. You shouldn't let everybody else in there. And why? And you can think about the promises, you know, that people make. You know, you could say, hey, I'll always be there for you. And now, is that a true statement? Can you always be there for everybody? No, but you can be there for a few people. It's like, you know, I've been sharing with our church, you know, this summer, you know, Nobody can, you know, serve everybody, but everybody can serve somebody. It's just picking that person. It's like, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, finding that one person and seeing it through all the way to the end and helping them finding their healing. Man, what a difference we can make in one person's life. But you look at this. It's the difference between us and Jesus because can Jesus meet all of our needs? Yeah. Can Jesus be there for every single one of us? Yeah. Is he available 24 hours a day? Yeah. Is he available seven days a week? Yeah. Is he available 365 days a year? Yeah. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. You know, and the Bible says that his, the throne of God is always open and it's a throne of grace where we can come boldly in our time of what he says need. Anytime that you have need. Look there back in John 15 and verse 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants for a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. He says, but I've called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. So again, Jesus isn't just looking here. He said for people that will just obey him, but he's looking for people who he can share abundant life with, that he can share a friendship with. The second thing, you know, as I shared... A true friend won't let you down. Look at verse 13 there. He says, back up, and he says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friend. I mean, to think Jesus was so committed to his friends that he would lay his life down, that he would die in our place. The Bible says that he, he committed no sin, but it says, but he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we, it was like trading places, might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Taking the fall for your friend? No, most of the time we're really good about what? Pointing out the faults of others. And here's Jesus who's perfect, who could have easily, you know, annihilated us. But what did he choose to do? He chose to go to the cross and, and die for us. That's the difference between Christianity and other religions. Other religions at some point, you know, has to promote self. Christianity, we're the only... Religion on the face of this planet where you die for your enemies. That's what Jesus did. We were enemies of the cross, the Bible says. And yet Jesus went to the cross and died for us so that we could become friends of God. Wow, that's powerful. Powerful when you really think about it. Friendships matter. Why? Because we were made for relationships. You think about it, you know, the quality of our life goes up so much more When we have friends, what do friends do? They make your joys, what? They heighten them, and what do they do? They lessen our sorrows. That's why the Bible says we're called to rejoice with them that rejoice. We're we're to add into that celebration, And, and, and when we sorrow, we're called to do what? To come alongside each other, to hopefully lessen the blow, to be there for one another. That's the beauty of what friendships are and what friendships do. Friendships make us, like I said, who we are. Proverbs 13:20 it says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You know, since friendships make us who we are, friendships matter. And it's important that we understand that today. It's important that we take the time to cultivate friendships because they're important to God and they're important to us according to God because God has wired us that way. You think about in the book of Proverbs, you know, the Bible says that they're written by Solomon. He was the wisest man other than Jesus to ever walk the face of this earth. And yet, Proverbs 13, 20 here, it tells us, you know, there's one factor that can determine how your life turns out. With whom you choose to walk through life. So, think about that. Proverbs 13.20, it means this, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. One of my favorite pastors, he likes to say it like this, your friends are the future you. Behavior scientists, they'll put it this way, (laughs) think about this for a second, this will get you thinking today, you are usually the average of your five closest friends. Your life is the average of your five closest friends. So if you're hanging around people, I mean, on a day-to-day basis that, you know, they're positive and they're, they're seeking God and, you know, they're taking you forward, you go, that's probably really good. But if you're sitting around people constantly that, you know, are, you know, down on life, down on everything, and you go, you're going to become, you know, it's like you become what you eat. You're going to become who you hang around with. And so you can look at your life and you go, that doesn't mean dump all your friends, you know, and ask for Burger King to give you a Whopper. That's not, that's not the point there, it's to be really careful because you should be able to impact your friends too. It's, you know, are they influencing you? Or are you influencing them? I like it, I was reading this this week. It says we all have something we'd like to become. Maybe a better parent, maybe a better student or worker. Maybe a more solid Christian. What if? What if the decision to become that was really a decision about what friends you choose? Maybe you're only one friend away from being a better parent, a better spouse, or a friend. One friend away. Better or worse. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Powerful. You know, when you think about all the different friends, you know, that we that we need in life. You know, I share often, you know, from this pulpit, you know, that we all need a a Paul. The Apostle Paul was someone who's wiser than us, you know, that we can can look to and go to. And when you have trouble in life and things don't make sense, and we all need a Timothy in our life, someone who's downstream from us, who's younger, that we can take the things that we're learning in life and we can pour our life into them. And we all need a a Barnabas. Barnabas was Paul's encouragement. He was his encourager. We all need somebody in our life who's a cheerleader for us that just cheers us on. And it's important. But as we close today, I want you to think around David's life here. King David himself taking a picture of one person's life, you know, and thinking about really the three personalities that were in David's life. You know, David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. David was someone that, uh, you know, God used mightily. And so if you think about this, you know, with regard to friendships, you know, everybody needs a and uh, Samuel in his life and if Samuel if I gave Samuel a name I'd call Samuel the the talent scout. You know if you remember Samuel the role that he played in David's life is that God had said that he was anointing the next king of Israel and he would show Samuel who that was. And so he goes to Jesse's house and starts with his oldest son and works his way down and finally ends up anointing David. And it was, it was Samuel who saw something in David that David didn't even see in himself. I loved, you know, that when we got to do vacation Bible camp and, you know, some of the, the watching the coaches, you know, work with the kids that were out there and to just encourage them and, and, and be able to instruct them. And then the kids looking up to the coaches and, you know, and the coaches, you can do this. And the, and the kids beginning to believe what the coaches would say. Is having someone in your life that, you know, is telling you the truth. They're not lying to you, but pulling out, you know, the best in you. Seeing something that you don't see in yourself. And God wants to provide those kind of friends. He wants us to be that kind of friend. See, you can't do that when you're only worried about yourself. When, when the world revolves around you and you're looking for friends, you go, oh, so that they can just be there for me, you miss out on the greatest opportunity in life. See, because Jesus said it best. He said, you know, the greatest amongst us is the servant, right? The servant of all. And so I want you to, you know, think about this, you know, as we prepare to close today. You know, this first type of friend, a Samuel, someone who is looking around for the anointed of God. You know, that you're looking around and you're going, you know, who's God got his hand on? I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's exciting to, to know uh, when, you know, you maybe knew somebody when they were young and maybe they developed a skill and a talent and they became, you know, famous. And you go, man, I knew them when, you know, I mean, Lee and I, we, we, we've been able to do this. You know, we teased with Larry and Mona's, you know, son, Daryl. You know, he went on to be a, the first ever four-time state wrestling champion in the state of California. I mean, it was just like an unheard of feat. It's getting, and, you know, and I don't mean to downplay this, it's actually getting easier to do it because the sport of wrestling, it doesn't have the dominance like it used to. I mean, it, you know, just kids aren't as active, you know, in it. But it was just kind of fun, you know, because we'd be places and somebody would say, you know, well, I know Daryl Vasquez. You go, yeah, and we go, man, I knew Daryl. I mean, matter of fact, my wife changed his diaper. <laughs> yeah, you know. Daryl didn't like to hear that, you know, but, You know, it's like, yeah, then she could tell, hey, you know what? Listen, don't get too proud because I changed your diaper, you know, but it's that thing of, you know, it's an exciting thing to have a a role in someone's life. And that's one of the beauties of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, but we're all called to be part of it. Amen. And and there's no such thing. I mean, you think if you just took a cell or a a finger limb and isolated, you go, it's not a body. Though the body is made up of many members, it's one. And though it's one, it's many. And so you have a very distinct role. You have a gift that God has given you in the body of Christ to utilize that gift in other people's lives. It's where you're going to find your value and your worth. You're going to discover that thing that you were created for. And if you're not using it, that's part of that sense of, you know, that that feeling empty and alone and isolated because we were created for one another. Is to go, you know, yeah, does it hurt at times? You go, absolutely. Does being a friend hurt? And you go, why? And you go, yeah, because we're sinners. We're going to let each other down, we're going to disappoint one another. That's why God's called us to forgive. To forgive. We have the best thing going on in this thing that we call the church a talent scout. Think about that. Are you a talent scout? When you think of other people and you talk of other people, are you looking for the talent? Are you looking for the skill? Or are you the beat down and the breakdown? Because I want you to think about this. You know, a gossiper, a backbiter, a murmurer, you know, the Bible says, and it's this really sad commentary with regard to that, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So every time you and I enter into conversations, we're making accusations about other people, other believers. It's just like Satan was just using us as a puppet. And you go, but to be a talent scout, man, to go, I see in you what you don't even see in yourself and to be used of God in such a profound way that it alters then human history. Most of us are familiar with the second kind of friend. I call him your your BFF. That was Jonathan. Jonathan was David's BFF, right? He was his best friend forever. Remember, Jonathan was the heir to the throne. Saul was his father. This was a monarchy and he would have been the natural, the heir to the throne of his father. But he recognized what? He recognized Samuel. He recognized the fact that Samuel came and anointed David, that God had placed a call upon David's life. And Jonathan recognized that. And he knew, we're not going to go against the plan of God. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. He goes, it's not going to come from my dad. We don't appoint people. You go, God does. All we do is look for the anointing. We just look to see what God is doing in people's life and recognize that. And then be able to applaud it. And it's so exciting. You look at, you know, here's Jonathan. And what did he do? I love this in 1 Samuel 23:18. He said, so the two of them, David and Jonathan, says they made a covenant before the Lord. It says, and David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his own house. Jonathan goes 30 miles away and he listens intently to find out what is his father's heart towards David. Does he want David to live or does he want David to die? And when he realized he wants David to die, Jonathan walks 30 miles to encourage his friend. 30 miles. You know, we go, you know, you ask for stuff and you go, hey, can can you help me? Oh, man, that'd be like 10 feet. You know. My wife could be yelling in the house, honey, can you come help me? Oh, really? You know how far that is? Yeah. 30 miles to encourage your friend. What did I say earlier? You know, you're, Your BFF, your best friend forever, is that one who's coming towards you when everybody else is walking away. It was really clear in David's life when everybody else was walking away, and leaving David, Jonathan was coming towards him. And Jonathan had everything to lose and nothing to gain in that regard. Oh, so much to gain out of friendship. It reminds me of a true story out of World War I there was a, a soldier uh, who saw on the, on the battlefield one of his comrades, his best friend, was, was wounded. And he asked his lieutenant, he said, can I go out and can I, can I retrieve my friend? And the lieutenant said, you can, you can go out and get him because I can tell you know, from looking right here that he's, he's mortally wounded. He's dead. It's not going to be worth you know, going out there. And he goes, and matter of fact, if you go out there, you're probably going to get killed too. He said, it doesn't matter. And so he crawled and made his way to his friend. And when he looked at his friend, his friend looked at me, he said, man, I knew that you had come. Picks him up, takes him back, gets back, lays him down. The lieutenant reaches over, checks his pulse, and he goes, your friend is dead. He goes, was it worth it? And he goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, and by the way, he says, look, he goes, you've been hit too. And he says, you're mortally wounded now. He goes, really? Was it worth it? And he goes, he goes, lieutenant, it was worth it. He goes, how could it have been worth it? And he says, because when I got there, to see the look on his face when he said to me, I knew that you'd come, was all that I needed. And you only understand that if you have a best friend that you're willing to lay your life down for and to go that I kept my, my word to my friend that I would be there. It's like a, a married couple that says, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. Hey, have I let you down? Yeah. Have we disappointed one another? Yeah. You go, but did we make it to the end? And you go, yeah, that's, that was my mom and dad. You know, it wasn't a, a perfect love story, but it ended as best friends. It's like I shared, you know, did a marriage conference a couple weeks ago. It's, you know, what, what is, you know, a great marriage is when two people decide to put on work gloves and roll up their sleeves and come out on the other side as best friends. That, that's one of the great joys that we have, church, you know, in life as the body of Christ. We're not perfect. We serve a perfect God but people give up and quit. And, it, and it's one of those things that you go, it, and it's okay. It used to really bother me, but it doesn't bother me anymore. It's like, it's okay because what does it do? It only proves out what's real and what's not. You know, it's like saying, you know some people come into your life you know, for a season, some people come into your life for a reason, and then there's those people that, man, they are pillars, they are there forever. And you go and praise God for them, praise God. And, you know, that's not everybody, and it's not going to be. And so are we going to experience hurts and heartaches in this life? Yeah, we will. But I, I love, you know, when I read Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 11, it says two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. It says, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who's alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? I mean, everybody needs somebody they can spoon with, right? You know. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I want you to think about that. That word sticks there, that's the same word in the Hebrew language that's translated cleaves that we find in Genesis 2. So there's kind of a a friendship covenant that's very similar to marriage in many ways. Hopefully you're here today if you're married. How many of you are married, by the way, if you're a married couple? Well, there's a lot of you. Hopefully you can say, you know what, I've, I've married my best friend. You know, that my friend is also the one that I cleave to, but to have, you know, a best friend. And the last one, you know, I share with you is Nathan. Nathan's the most difficult, but Nathan's probably the best friend. Nathan was the prophet, remember, that came uh, to David. We might call him the loyal wounder. Or if you want to say it incorrectly, wounderer. Loyal wounderer. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 through 7, it says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him, and he said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and, and, and bought and nourished it. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him, sick. It's a th- lamb. It says and a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare for the wayfaring man who had come to him but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man and he said to Nathan as the Lord lives the man who has done this shall surely die and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity it says then David Nathan said to David you are the man. You have a friend like that? A friend that, remember, because David's king. David has this thing called the golden scepter. And if he doesn't put out the golden scepter to Nathan, the king's guards are instructed to kill that man. Nathan was willing to risk his life for his friend. Because he saw what sin was doing to Nathan's life. He saw that it was destroying him from the inside out. The psalmist says that his bones were waxing within him. There was no joy. There was no peace in his life. And so Nathan came to him, risked his own life for the sake of his friend. And when that happened, David repented. He turned back to God. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, the Bible teaches us. But deceitful is the kiss of an enemy. Man, you see it. There's so many in the church that are just, you know, like Judas. You know, not a whole lot of Nathans, though. Not a whole lot of Nathans. It's a kiss to your face and a knife in your back. And you go, but it's part of life. It happened to Jesus. It'll happen to me. It'll happen to you. But to have a friend, to have a Samuel, in your life, to have a Jonathan, to have a Nathan, man, and more important, to be those things to one another. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus, because guess what? He's all those things. He's all those things and more to you. Everything that you have need of today in a relationship, in a friendship, you can have with Jesus Christ. He wants a friendship with you, But it's up to you and it's up to me to open up our heart to him. I would hope that, you know, as we're here today, that before you'd go, if you've never made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, that you would consider that today. That you've heard the the things that, like I said, uh, I've shared with you here. You know, what does a friendship with Jesus do for me and you? It helps us become vulnerable. Vulnerable. It helps us open up our heart to other people. And you go, why? And you go, because if I know the God of heaven loves me and accepts me and won't reject me, then you go, what can the world do to me? What do I have to worry? Because I'm confident because I have someone that, you know, if everybody else rejects me, guess what? I still have one that never will. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He will not turn his back on you. Go back to John fifteen sixteen. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you, you know, and it wasn't like, you know, a Disney movie where, you know, Jesus looked under, you know, you know, your life and, you know, this dirty layer, and he saw this inner beauty. Jesus looked uh, under the layer of your life, and guess what he saw? Ugh. Ugliness, sin, and guess what? He loved you anyway, and you go, so how does that make me vulnerable? I go, well, if God already knows everything about me, and he loves me, then why am I afraid of him? Why am I afraid to turn away from him? Why would I turn away from him? You go, I wouldn't. But I'm afraid to tell you who I am. I'm afraid to be vulnerable with you. Because why? Because you might reject me. But Jesus won't reject you. That's so important that you understand that. Bold print, you know, I have my notes. says, because someone more important than anyone else has saw the real me the real you. And he's loved us with an everlasting love. And yet our sin keeps us from having a friendship with God. And so he invites us today. And I want to do that as we close. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor Mike, you know, I don't have a personal relationship with God and I get it. I haven't been friends with God, you know, because friendship's really easy. You go friends with somebody that you, you, you know, I love that expression that says, a friend is someone that you enjoy talking to. Your best friend is who you can't go without talking to. Such a difference that Jesus would become our best friend. And he wants to have that relationship. We call that prayer. You can talk to him every day. And he can talk to you every day as you open up the Bible. That's his word, that's his voice to you. And he'll give you direction in your life. You might be here today and you go, man, I could use a a good friend. Well. I just want you to know what a friend we have in Jesus. Don't miss the opportunity to open up your heart to him. And then the great celebration that we have you know, the Bible says that you know, there's a rejoicing in heaven over one soul that repents and turns to God. It's one of the great blessings of having a you know, free taco lunch afterwards. Sit around, fellowship with one another. And if you have come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord today, is to get around from person to person. Hey, guess what? Brother brother, I can call you brother today because we are brothers and sisters, sister, uh, in Christ Jesus, not because of anything that you've done, but because of what Christ Jesus has done for you. Amen. Something to celebrate when we open our hearts to him. I just want you to know, you know, Lee and I, you know, as a, as a you know, pastor and my wife in this church, I mean, I'm so thankful for the friends that God has given us, you know, here and, uh, You know, I I look forward to the new things that God's doing. Uh, So many, you know, exciting things, new and exciting things that the Lord's doing in the life of our church. And, you know, a lot of times it's through new people. You get to a place and, you know, people, for whatever the reasons are, you know. God does what he does but you know the, the great joy of, of being in Christ Jesus is you know the mercies of God are new every morning and great is his faithfulness amen and if you're here and you're going man you know I would love to get involved I'd you know I'd love to you know get plugged in I just want you to know that there's a place for you and and really you know what I love most about this church is there's just a lot of people that are here that are just good friends that more than anything else we're not perfect uh, we fail we m- make mistakes. But when all's said and done, you know that you know, when everybody else is running away, there's a few people that you'll find that you know you can count on. They'll come. They'll come running towards you. And I'm glad that uh, we have those kind of people, those kind of friends in this church. And so, I, know on behalf of Lee and I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being my friend, for being our friends, and we we love you guys and and uh, enjoy getting to have some lunch today. So I pray that uh, as the worship team comes, we're going to close in prayer. But. Uh, that you don't have to hurry out, that uh, you can stick around. And if you, like I said, have never never opened your heart to Jesus, and maybe, again, you came with a friend today, and you're, you're curious, you can come up here and you go, is my name on that on that banner? And if it is, and, and you've received Christ, uh, we can take a, a Sharpie and mark that thing out. and Let us know that uh, you have come into the family of God. And we want to help you take those, those next steps. You won't have to remember this, but coming up on September the 15th, it's a Sunday after a second service. We're going to have a newcomer's reception over in the, uh, the cafe for those that uh, are new in the life of our church. It's an opportunity for us to get to meet you and to know you. And so, again, if you're looking for a church and you're here today, uh, we'd love to meet with you and uh, tell you more about what God's doing here. He's doing some wonderful things through some wonderful people. Let's stand to our feet and we'll pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. And God, I just want to just ask, Lord, uh, we don't do this every Sunday, but Lord, I want to ask today, if there's anybody here that's yet to receive Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord, and you don't, you don't want to miss this opportunity today. Uh, you have been prayed for you you know as you're standing here in this sanctuary that God is tugging on your heart uh, you know that you need to turn from your sin and you need to find that forgiveness like David you have uh, tried to hide in a sense from God but uh, and it's not that everybody else in the world knows what's going on but you know and like David you could say that your your bones are waxing within you 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 hurt inside because you, you're instead of confessing your sin and finding the forgiveness that's only found in Jesus Christ, you're just thinking time will, will cover the wounds, time will heal, and it, and it doesn't. It pops up somehow, some way. But you're here today, and the Bible says that we must be born again, and, and there's something in your heart that says, man, if I could start over today, if I could start fresh today, I would gladly, gladly open my heart to Jesus. And I want you to know you can. That's what coming to Christ is all about, is being born again and having our sins washed away and being, as the Word of God says, a new creation in Christ where old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And I just want to give you that opportunity today. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor Mike, pray for me, because that's what I'm doing. I'm opening my heart to Jesus, and I'm inviting you, Lord Jesus, to come in and be my Savior and be my Lord. Wash me and cleanse me. Bring that joy that only you can bring into my life. I need you. I, I want you as my friend. I need a friend, Lord. Thank you for choosing me. And Lord, today, I'm choosing you back. And if you're making that your prayer, that's your heart today. And we could pray for you. I'd just love to know that you're out there. If you'd raise your hand before we close in prayer. If you're receiving Jesus today, you need him as Savior and Lord, just raise your hand high so I can see it. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. just want to recognize that you're here. If you recognize you need the Lord today and you're opening your heart. Anybody at all? You need Jesus today. Raise it high. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I see your hand back there. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Anybody else? Mm -hmm. Father, thank you. Thank you for one. We sing that, Lord, as a worship song, that you would leave the 99 and, Lord, you would go after the one. The price you'd pay, Lord, for one soul. Your precious blood. we so much more than silver and gold. Lord, we celebrate you. We celebrate your love. We celebrate your forgiveness. And thank you, Lord, today. Thank you for the reminder of the gift of friendship. Lord, may each of us, Lord, as we leave this place today, have a desire, Lord, not just to enjoy a sweeter friendship with you that, Lord, you've made possible, but, Lord, let us be a better friend than what we are even today. Have your way in each of our lives, Lord. Fashion us for, Lord, those things that you desire for us. Bring glory to your name, Lord. Thank you in advance for just a sweet time of fellowship that we can enjoy after church here today. Thank you for those that Lord have prepared it. Thank you Lord for those that'll stick around and just enjoy a time together. Lord, may it be may it be something that Lord is meaningful not just to us, but Lord to you, may it magnify the name of Jesus in this place. We love you so much, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. Praising you for one another, Lord. As we pray, we do in the wonderful name of Jesus. We all agreed this morning saying amen.